And welcome back to the HFW Shop Talk podcast. Today, this is episode nine, joined by Mike Okie. Uh, Mike, thanks for joining. Sure, thanks. My pleasure. Uh, so I think this is interesting because in the last couple episodes, we've had uh, Jacob, who's just starting out in his career. We've had Rich, um, who's more toward the end. And now you're kind of right in the middle. So I think this is a perfect, <laughs> uh, a perfect segue. Um, and also there was a lot of, um, I mean, speaking of Jacob, you were the one who, who brought Jacob in or mm. thought he'd be a good fit. And, um, so we're greatly indebted to you for that. Um, but anyway, this is not about Jacob today. Today is about Mike. <laughs> so, uh, I'm really interested in, in hearing what your background is because it's a little bit different than, um, well, I shouldn't say a little bit different cause it's always interesting to me. Everyone's journey, um, to being on the shop floor is different. And so I, I really enjoy hearing these stories. Um, and so I guess to, to kick it off, I'd like to hear a little bit about your childhood and what was that, that what that was like and, and how you came to find yourself in, in a manufacturing environment. Yeah, sure. So, um, I grew up kind of in a manufacturing family. My dad, uh, his name is also Mike. Uh, he worked for Ford Motor Company for 44 years. Um, and with that, with his career, we got to travel uh, the world, kind of. Uh, so I went to what would be called primary school in England because uh, we lived over there uh, while I was in maybe third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And my dad would commute uh, to France. He, he would work in Charlevoix, France, and we would stay um, just outside of London. And so I went to school there was born in Michigan, moved out there when I was really young, then moved back to Michigan in the late 80s and was there until the early 90s. And then we moved to, to Texas. So I, I got to go from England back to Michigan to Texas <laughs> and always wondering what my dad did, you know, because we're always, he's always, seems like he was always having fun <laughs> yeah, and uh, just, just enjoying what he did. And, you know, we got to see so many corners, you know, of the world through that. Um, so, so my upbringing, you know, my mom was a stay at home mom. So, so she stayed home and, and, you know, I just was kind of an only, only child. My, my sister is 10 years older, so she was gone most of the time. So, so I just kind of, you know, kind of learned how to do things and kept to myself, you know, yeah. uh, I had an uncle, uh, Tim, um, he, uh, he would buy me a, a rector set every Christmas and I would just tinker with it. I don't know if you know what an erector set is. I don't know if you've seen one, but, but it's a, it's a bunch of skinny little metal pieces with screws and yeah, yeah. thumb screws and bolts that you would put together and, and, uh, just create things. And it would come with instructions, but you know, you, I would follow the instructions and then I would create something else. It's a lot like Legos, I guess, you know, yeah. kind of. So, so I remember doing that. So I've always been kind of mechanically inclined, but, uh, uh, just following my dad around and seeing what he did. And, and he took me into the factory sometimes. Uh, he was a, he was a manufacturing engineer, uh, for Ford and, uh, got to saw some of the cool stuff he did. And it kind of stuck, you know. Um, so, so my upbringing was watching my dad, and you know, I had a really good kind of mix of being able to have a stay-at-home mom and uh, see my dad work with his hands and do all these kind of things. So, so I've always been kind of, I guess, even as a kid, you know, I guess drawn into 
you know, mechanical things. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that, that's, that's really neat. I, I'm interested in how all that travel as a kid, I mean, even just for, um, you hear it, people that moved a lot as kids, how that impacted them. But, you know, normally that's just in the United States, but you were moving around the world. How, how did that impact? How do you think that impacted you growing up and, and what you learned and um, your perspective on, on life and people? Right. Well, I, I have a huge appreciation for different cultures. Um, you know, I love people just just as part of me, just, just getting to know who people are and, and what they're about. And even though I only lived in a few places, you know, around the world, uh, my dad entertained people from Japan, people from China, people from Portugal, Argentina, uh, all over Europe. And, um, so, so I got to, I got to go to fancy dinners with those people. I got to meet their kids. I got to spend time with them. And uh, it really gave me kind of a well-rounded respect for all people. Uh, and that's, that's really what I'm about. You know, I, it's not, it's, uh, it, I'm genuinely driven to understand who you are and what makes you tick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm interested in all the different cultures and, and what that brings mm-hmm. into not just our environment at HFW, but you know, as a community of, of, uh, of people. So that's really neat. I, I think it's so interesting. Um, uh, you know, I've grown up mostly in Buffalo my whole life and then I went, went to Ohio for school, but, uh, Ohio is not really, uh, it's not England or China or anything like that. Um, so it's so interesting to hear. And, and, um, I've had a couple of friends in similar positions like that and it, it they just, and I, I feel like there's also, at least in, in my experience, there's also like a maturity level with something like that, you meet some of these people and, um, you know, you, you, you've been, been there and done that in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Um, and so it's a very interesting thing. So I guess that, that leads into our, our next question, which is, so you're, you're 18 years old, uh, coming out of high school. Um, not unlike a lot of the guys we have here now, you know, we've got a number of people that are 18, 19, 20 years mm-hmm. old. What was going through your head at the time? And, and, <laughs> Uh, did you, did, did, was manufacturing at the front of your mind or, or how did that come into, into mm. the equation? Well, <laughs> so my, uh, my high school years weren't the greatest as far as academics. Uh, I wasn't the greatest, uh, student. Uh, I was more focused on friendships and relationships and I spent a lot of time not studying and <laughs> not doing what I was supposed to do. Uh, you can fill in the blanks there. Uh, so, so I graduated, which by the grace of God I did, and uh, but I barely graduated. So there, there, there came a point where I had to make a decision. Um, again, you know, I had great parents, great upbringing, but I made some poor choices, and it came to a point where I wasn't going to graduate high school. Like I didn't have enough credits and I was, I was getting close to being a 20 year old senior, which at that point it's like, Hey, wait a minute, you know, this, something's not right here. And I was going to quit and just get my GED, mm-hmm. but a really good friend, my best friend uh, at the time, uh, still a really good friend. His name's Tom Collin. And, uh, he was in the kind of the same boat and 
he fell into this uh, thing called alternative education, which they put on in our high school for people like me who were trying to find their way and trying to graduate. <laughs> Uh, so my friend, uh, we were working together at, at a pizza place called Cottage and Pizza at the time. And he said, hey, Mike, he said, you're going to graduate. I said, no, nah, I don't think so. I think I'm just going to, you know, wing it. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, you know, I found this this thing at school that we can go get our regular diploma and graduate. You want to do it with me? I said, well, sure, I could do that. You know, so so I did. So I went to this alternative education program, which the teaching was more hands-on and it wasn't shop or anything like that, but it was very hands-on teaching. So we, we learned math, we learned science, we learned different things through, through working with our hands and actual practical uh, application of it. And uh, I remember my teachers, uh, Barb Fisher and Bob Mida. Uh, made a huge difference and impact on my life and gave me courage and gave me hope and gave me, uh, gave me the, uh, the uh, perseverance that I needed to, to get through that. Cause I, I really felt that I was just not going to graduate. Mm-hmm. So I graduated as a 20 year old senior. Uh, there were three people or four people in my graduating class, uh, from the alternative education program. And from there I, uh, uh, I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I, I kept delivering pizzas and was making good money for a 20-year-old. And then uh, I remember my dad one day said, hey, you got to get out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, okay. So he actually, gosh, I love my dad. Uh, he actually um, took me into one of his vendors and his shop, the shops that he used to buy equipment from and, and, uh, helped me get a job there. Wow. And that was my first job in a machine shop. And I had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. I showed up in khakis and a button down shirt my <laughs> first day. And I ran a saw for like six, six months straight, <laughs> just dirty and nasty. And, and, uh, but my curiosity, was always, it's always, you know, always took over and my being able to communicate with people, um, really helped me advance my career. So, uh, I was always wanting to do what the other guy was doing. Like, Hey, I'm running a saw. That's great. But I want to do what that guy's doing over there. I want to, I want to run that machine. I want to learn what <laughs> he's doing. Yeah. And I would go to my boss and I'd say, man, I, w- I really want to learn what that guy's doing. He said, well, hold on, hold on, pipe down, you know, <laughs> take your time. We'll get you over there, but you got to do this first. And and thank goodness for him because he taught me patience, you know. So um, so through that, you know, like I, I didn't have a traditional way out of high school, which I regret. I wish, I wish you know, being 46 now and going back and thinking like, wow, I wish I would have done what I should have done. But, you know, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. Yeah. I, I think it's. You touched on so many things there, and I, but I think one thing that I I see in a lot of different areas is this idea that I think it, it, a lot of it's changing the narrative. Like, yeah, you said there were things you could have done differently, um, but it seems like you also just learn. You know, you learn more with your hands. It sounds like in this alternative class, and that doesn't make you a failure, like the system would, I think, generally kind of portrays. Um, and there, I mean, I think. A lot of guys in the shop or in the industrial environment would would say the same thing. That's, mm-hmm. you know, there's 
there's different kinds of knowledges. And I think sometimes high school in general, um, it's, it's very much like a certain kind of like book knowledge or mm-hmm. um, how well can you study and prepare? Mm-hmm. Um, that's very different than uh, like the knowledge we use in the shop primarily, but it's still, still very, you know, there's still some very, very mm-hmm. smart people. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it's really interesting. And then also you talked about that. You, you said you just want to try everything. That's really funny because now you're on the flip side of that, where I, I think we have a lot of guys that are really hungry, really young, and, and they are kind of doing the same thing mm-hmm. you are. And now, now you're the coach. Right. And, um, I, you know, it's interesting your journey because then you got, you were an engineer here for still a project engineer, but primarily uh, your duties are as a CNC supervisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm really curious how you've developed because you, you had, I mean, a really interesting journey. Um, to where you are now um, that you just touched on. How does that inform who you are now as as Mike, the CNC supervisor, where you've got a, like a crew ranging from guys that have been in it for a, a year or two max, and then you got Rich Hender, who's mm-hmm. you know going on forty years. There's a lot of different personalities, and then and then you got not to mention the guys around the shop that want to get into machining. Right. You know, they came in just as a laborer, or um, you know, they're younger and they want to get into it. How how has your your experience informed how you lead people? I think I think understanding who the person is really helps out. Um, I, I want to know my guys as as much as I can. I mean, you know, there's still a point of separation that you have to have as a supervisor, um, and trying to bridge that gap between you know being a friend and having to be a supervisor at the same time is is difficult, but, but I, I just really want to know the guys and, you know, the ladies, um, who, who come across. So, you know, I, I think a rich, you know, and, and he's a fantastic guy and, and he's passionate about things. Rich Hender is passionate about being a machinist. <laughs> and that makes me so happy because you see, so you see some people who aren't, who are just waiting for the day they retire mm-hmm. or the day they move on to the next thing. But Rich, he gives me, he gives me, you know, I feel his sense of pride in the work that he does and, uh, and it impacts me. So, so I take that as a supervisor because, because I want other people to be like rich in a certain way. Like I want you to be passionate and enjoy and put yourself into what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. some people don't, unfortunately, but maybe they haven't found the right thing yet. Yeah. You know, and then I think of a guy like uh, John Burek, who we've hired in the past, you know, six or seven months as a, uh, a mechanic. And, you know, seeing his eyes light up when he gets to go run a, a big CNC machine, <laughs> having no idea what he's doing. But he's like, hey, this is great even though he doesn't know what he's doing. You know, yeah. it's like putting a guy in a pilot seat of an airplane saying, Hey, play with the controls for a little bit. You know, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's 80 souls on board, but you know, <laughs> we'll help you land. Uh, so, so seeing that the passion that rich still has for his job and knowing the things that rich still, you know, he loves to, he loves to run. He loves to take part in, in, uh, you know, I think the ride for Roswell, uh, things like that uh, in seeing, seeing his passion and the things he loves in life. 
and seeing John Burek as is as a new kid up and coming, just eyes wide open and trying to learn as much as he can. So being a supervisor in that is is being able to bridge that gap. And there's a there's a wide chasm between Rich and John. <laughs> and uh, and as a supervisor, as a coach, you have to you have to stand in the gap. You know, you have to encourage uh, John, and you have to um, mine out of Rich his knowledge, and hopefully get to a point to where they're he's learning from rich or somebody like rich so that he can, he can earn that passions or get that passion. So, and continue it. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's how I see myself as a supervisor. It's not just pushing jobs around the shop and making sure things get done in, you know, which, which is a huge part, you know, Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that we're making times and we want to make sure that, that we're, you know, we're getting things done correctly, but without people, HFW has nothing. So, um, so bridging that gap between the John Burek's and the, the Jeremy's and the Rich Henders and, uh, and the Mark Petronsky's and the Andrew, I forgot his last name. Master. Master. Uh, that's, that's where it's at. That's yeah. how we're going to survive. That's how we're going to, we're going to push forward. Well, I think a supervisor is one of the most important or most pivotal roles at least for a company like us. Um, and it, it, on the one hand, you get it from both sides. You know, <laughs> I think there's there's sometimes an assumption the supervisors just sit around and um, twiddle their thumbs. And then hmm. uh, there's uh, from the, well, I guess from both sides, from, from management and then from the guys on the floor too. But it's really, um, I, 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 there's this study I see come up all the time that most people leave their job because of their for their boss. It's not you know, the I mean, pay is always the most important, but the reason you you decide to quit normally is because of your boss. And so the supervisor for most people is that boss, and and then you also have to deal with uh, the pressure for management to hit those times and mm-hmm. um, to run an efficient shop. Um, you kind of are, come at it from an interesting angle because you actually you know. Typically, our, our our supervisors have started out as machinists um, and then graduated to a supervisory role. Where you came here as an engineer and actually went downstairs, which is is you know the, there's guys that have uh, started downstairs and come upstairs. I think you're one of the first to actually go the opposite direction. <laughs> um, how did how did, does that inform how you lead and 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 what do you? I guess it, when you're in such a pivotal role, how how do you? How do you handle that? And what what would you like people, I guess, in management and also for like what would you, like from an outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. what what is there? What do people not realize goes into the job? Well, there's um, and no matter what position you're in, you're 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 a salesperson, and your dad would agree with us. I've heard him say it before. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're a salesperson in in both directions. You know, I'm selling. I don't want to say down is a bad way, but I'm selling down to the, my, the people who report to me and I'm selling up to your dad and, and your grandfather. Uh, so, so that's the position, right? Uh, standing shoulder to shoulder with the guys on the shop floor and working on things together. That's, that's where it's done. And that's where, um, that's where I sell, not myself, but HFW, 
you know, as a supervisor, I'm selling HFW and, and what we do to, to our employees. And, and that's the way I see it. Like, you know, I have ideas and I have skills that I can share with them, but they don't know me, you know, especially the new guys, you know, they don't know who I am. So, so saying, spending time with them shoulder to shoulder, working through the problems together, and then also the failures together, because ultimately that's where we learn. And I love it when my guys see that I messed up because... Mm-hmm. You know, then it's like, hey, yeah, you know, I, I'm human too. And I expect you to make a mistake and hopefully we learn from it. And then the other direction to, you know, to your dad and, and to John, uh, you know, selling up, selling the ideas to management, to, you know, to invest, to see. There's so many times when, you know, Somebody might be frustrated from upstairs, what we call upstairs, you know, the engineers. Or <laughs> I've the, heard about this. <laughs> or management. They might be frustrated with something or somebody. And again, standing in that gap and saying that, you know what? No, it's, it's, not, it's not this thing. It's that. And it's not the person. It's the process. Or maybe it's the person and the person <laughs> needs training or encouragement. Or unfortunately, in some cases, the person needs to find something else to to focus on um so so being that middle management role um i love it you know because i i get to i get to play with both sides of the coin there i loved being in engineering um it's fun uh it was it was uh rewarding um but at the time it, it seemed like we needed some help downstairs and and i was given the option you know and and people I look at as it at the place where I get to be with more people and mm-hmm. that's, that's in this position. So, yeah, I think it, it's really uh, worked out well. And uh, you, you touched on some, some cool, cool things there too, with just like the perspective and um, even just going down the shop floor. I know for me, like when we're trying to investigate, okay, why did this job go poorly or why, did, or why did this job go really well? Um, cause I'm trying to balance, you know, some of the, some of the bad stuff with good. There, there are, are a lot of good things that are going on here. I think it's important to focus on that as well. Uh, you don't want to cover up or disregard the bad stuff. You want to focus on that so we can get better, but there's a lot of good stuff happening too. Um, but in this instance, when looking at, you know, going and asking the guys why they're like, why their hours were high on a, on one job. You know, you assume, wow, what, you know, so and so did this. What is he doing? And then you go down and you ask, and um, you know, everyone has their their personal um, biases, I guess. But you also get an interesting story. Like uh, I was talking to one guy, and he's like, "Well, the tooling is all over the place." And I know that's one thing that we've been working on organizing, um, you especially. Um, and you just learn. It, it, I guess my my point being, when you go out and talk to people and get on the floor it's a whole different story than what you find um, just looking at the numbers. Right. right. Um, and it's really interesting hearing different people's story. And then, you know, the more people you talk to, you can kind of put together a, a more full picture, mm-hmm. um, which I think you as a supervisor are in a really good position to be able to do. Right. So yeah, as a, you know, having a process engineering background or a manufacturing engineering background, uh, I'm trained to find waste. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's uh you know what i see however uh on the flip side of that 
the the company as a whole has to own that philosophy that there's waste and we need to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So when we talk, you know, when you ask why times are high, well, it's there's waste there somewhere. Yeah, right? it's either in the process itself, uh, bad program, bad engineering, not being able to find tooling, um, bad machine, in you know, uh, maybe the person isn't capable. Uh, so so there's waste everywhere. And, uh, you know, HFW, here's a challenge for us is HFW and myself, uh, because we're in a unique business that, you know, is a, is a job shop. Uh, don't really know what's coming through the door next, you know, so, so we need to prepare to be nimble. We need to prepare to be fast mm-hmm. and prepare to have what we need at in a moment's notice because you know the hot jobs that come and and you know the different things that come through the door it's hard to manage waste because we work quickly to get something done and unfortunately there are some casualties in that <laughs> system um, where we see jobs that are shot through the roof on <laughs> hours yep. uh, because we weren't prepared and because we weren't managing our waste. So uh, I would challenge myself and HFW as a whole to to focus on waste and to see where we can trim back. And you mentioned that, yeah, <laughs> wrapping my arms around the tooling issue has been a big job because if we're not focused as a company on it, uh, it can't be one person's mission to make that work. Right. So, uh, so I would love to coach my guys, uh, and a shout out to Ben Niedebeyer right now because he's helping me big time on organization over there at, at our Haas work center. Um, but I'd like to see more of that throughout the shop too. So, well, when we're talking about getting better. I think it's, um, I don't want to think it's in a negative light, but you're talking about things that we, we haven't done well and we want to improve. But one thing that has been, um, has been told me by several people is how good of a job Ben has, has done. Um, so I think it's, it's a good growth opportunity, like you were mm-hmm. mentioning. And it's, um, to your point earlier about everything selling, it's selling, well, why do we want to get better? Um, and I think the first thing for um, our guys and girls in the shop is it makes your life easier when everything's mm-hmm. organized, when you have the materials you need right in front of you, you don't have to go searching. You don't have to wait for two days for some a part that needs to be expedited to get into the shop. Um, but then, you know, the more money we can save and the easier we can do it and the space we free up, um, the better it is for everyone. Everyone mm-hmm. benefits from that. Um, there's an incentive for everyone, not just, you know, directly, I guess, in profit sharing, but then also, you know, the more money that's freed up gives us more money for benefits and wages and um, new equipment and mm-hmm. all these things that I think we all care about. Um, from a human level and, and a personal satisfaction level um, is freed up, the better we're, we're able to do it. And um, right. and yeah, I don't think it's to to point fingers or anything of like that, not. but there's just ways we can get better. And so I think a lot of it is coaching and explaining, mm-hmm. well, this is why, you know, it was interesting talking to one guy because um, I've come up, you know, in with an accounting background and learning the engineering now. Um, so you see it from the numbers and the, and the drawing side, and then you go talk to a machinist who's who knows how to build it. <laughs> and but the numbers side to him, 
it would he you know the, under he's like oh i didn't know that's what the times meant and so just you know i was extract he he was teaching me about oh you this is how you you can't build it this way but you can build it that way and then i was showing him like okay this is what the hours mean and if we go way over those hours we're losing money um just that dialogue i think is helpful in explaining mm-hmm. why it's in everyone's best interest and uh it's not just um you know benefiting one person it benefits the whole company and mm-hmm. um i think that's I know you can attest to that and you've sure. been in a lot of different positions now where you, you yeah. know what it's like. Um, so I guess more personally, I'm interested, you talked a little bit about who you were uh, as a young guy coming out of high school and in, in your early twenties. Now you, you mentioned you're 46, your dad uh, kind of like mid career. Um, how have you changed as a person? What have you learned about yourself um, personally and professionally? Um, you know, patience, patience for, uh, people. Um, you know, like I said, I, I just love working with different kinds of people and, and just being patient and, uh, you know, building integrity. Uh, you know, when, when I was younger, integrity wasn't so important. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but, you know, as I've gone around my career and I've made some mistakes, I've said some things I, you know, wish I could take back and, and, uh, just building integrity and, uh, camaraderie. Uh, one of the things I love about HFW is that, you know, we're, I really feel we're a family business, you know, obviously, you know, I mm-hmm. see family all over the place here, even to the point where I see dogs come in and they're <laughs> part of the family too. And, uh. You know, I, I like to create that atmosphere uh, wherever I am. You know, we're, we're family. We're, we're doing this together. But with family, we know there's issues. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, we deal with uh, the weird uncle and the crazy aunt. And, you know, we have to find a way through it so that the bottom dollar, the bottom line makes sense. So, so I've learned throughout my career to be patient with people uh, and to be slow to listen. Like that's, that's one of the things that, that I've, I've, I've trained myself to do is, is to listen. When people talk, they usually have something they want heard. And if I'm too quick to over talk or talk over them or end the conversation or get my point across, I'm not giving them the respect that they deserve, no matter what point of view they're coming from. So no matter how angry somebody is or how impatient somebody's being, uh, listen and then speak when it's your turn. Uh, so, so that's that's one of the things I've learned over the past, you know, twenty five years of being in in a career. Wow, that's come up a lot actually. I, I just a couple of days ago saw a book uh, whose title was. STFU, which I think most people might know what that stands for. And it was just about <laughs> the art of listening and being silent yes. in our society where everyone's going for like right. the in your face, um, especially, you know, social media and all this. stuff. There's all this stuff um, just sitting and listening mm-hmm. and being silent, being in the background. That's something I'm trying. To, it's everyone. You just society as a whole, you're ingrained to as soon as someone stops talking. You just, you just interject. Right. Or even, even when you're being, uh, chastised or admonished, <laughs> uh, just to sit there and listen. 
take the bad and take the good and then make an informed comment afterwards. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I'm working on the informed comment part, but <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's, I mean, I, it, for me, I've always been more of an introvert, but I think just truly like the truly listening to someone and, and listening isn't just what they're saying with their body language mm. They're you know, are they looking you in the eye um, or are their eyes darting all around or are they looking at the floor? Like all these little nuances, there's more to listening than just what they're saying. And mm. I think that's, especially in a shop too. Um, maybe you can't even hear them in the shop, but mm-hmm. you look at their body language and the way they're talking and, um, and the way they interact with others too. Mm. Uh, you see interactions, even if you're standing 20 feet away from them and you can't hear what they're saying, you see them, the way that their body language is talking to another person, how they right. speak to all different people. Um, I think you can learn a lot about people that way. Well, that was, I think, a really cool discussion. Mike, I want to ask you a couple closing questions. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there one person at HFW that you'd like to shout out that you think's done um, great work and deserves some recognition? Sure. Uh, Yeah, there's actually a couple. Uh, Ben Niederbeyer, you know, I just told him yesterday he's going the extra mile. Uh, which I love the passion he has. He he's good with his hands. He's good with his brain. Or we're we're glad that uh, so lucky to have a guy like that. And uh, in shipping, Mike uh, Sanchez, mm-hmm. uh, just smile on his face. Always a good attitude. Loves what he th- loves what he's doing. And the kid just wants to do more. Like he says, he's just like me. When I went into that <laughs> shop, he's like, "Hey, I want to do that." Yeah. And I'm like, slow down, buddy. We'll get you there, you know, a step at a time. So so let's not forget Mike and let's not forget Ben as we grow as HFW. That's awesome. I think they're both um among a bunch of people here we have that are really just fantastic people and they're helping us build. And I think I, I really do feel that we've got something special here. We've got a great team right now. Um and I, I think the stuff like we said, if we can continue to improve and focus on the waste and focus on ways we can get better, we're already doing pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. Um, but where we can go is extraordinary. Where each person can individually go, like like a Ben, like a Mike. Right. Um, it's, I'm I'm really excited and uh, me too. I'm thankful for everyone. Uh, Mike, one last question for you. I couldn't I couldn't not ask this. You you're very into pickleball. <laughs> so tell me, tell me a little bit more about pickleball. I know this is something you're very passionate about. Tell, tell HFW a little bit about your involvement in pickleball and, and what it's all about. Sure. So I do love pickleball, <laughs> uh, but as uh, as a husband, uh, you know, part of being a husband is understanding who your wife is. <laughs> and when your wife latches on to something, sometimes you have to latch onto it too. <laughs> And, you know, I was hesitant at first, but my wife is going crazy out there playing pickleball. And she said, hey, let's let, let's try this together. And I did. And I fell in love with it, too. And, uh, you know, she's much better than me. <laughs> um, she's incredible. Uh, and I love her to death. She's the most fantastic person in my, my life. Uh, but, you know, I'm in pickleball because of my wife. If it <laughs> wasn't for her, I wouldn't be playing it. However... I do love to play. I love the competition. I love the the fast pace. And just like I said, I'm a people person. Yeah. I've met so many people 
from so many walks of life, from so many cultures, backgrounds, and just in stages of life and whether good or bad, just uh, being able to be around them and, and get to know them. So that's what's most important to me about pickleball is the people. That's awesome. Yeah, you, you had told me that yesterday. And I was just thinking about it last night, and I think that's what it's all about. That's just, right. I mean, more than this, this, you know, it's great. You're getting out, you're active, you're outside, but the people will make it everything. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly when you said that, that's super cool. I'm glad yeah. I, I might have to try it now. My brother, my, both of my brothers are playing <laughs> it too. They might, you, you might all drag me down into it. So uh, I tried to get your dad out there, but he hasn't, he uh, hasn't come around yet. He's a hardcore tennis player. He doesn't <laughs> want this newfangled pickleball game. <laughs> all right. Well, this has been a great episode with Mike where Mike, thanks so much for being here. I think this is a sure. really good discussion. Um, I really enjoy these conversations and hopefully they're, they're helpful to everyone and, and learning a little bit more about some, someone you, you see and interact with every day. Cool. So until the next one, thanks guys. And we'll see you next time.